Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we come across the story in the Gospel, a very long story, right? But here is, in the middle of John's Gospel, there's a lot of this intense things that are happening, but now here comes the story. Here is, right in the middle of the Gospel of John, here is the story that teaches us how it is for all of us, right? We're all going through life experiences. It teaches us that our life experience, right, will not be without suffering, will not be without negativity. It's a beautiful story. And the church today gives it to us in its entire form, right? They could have cut it up into small pieces, but if you cut it up into small pieces, I think you lose the significance of it. You lose what it is that Jesus is trying to say to us today. And it's a beautiful story. I think all of us, as we journey towards God with the church, as we journey towards God with Jesus Christ, there are certain things that happen in our life that could be sufferings, that could be negativities, that could just kind of be obstacles in our own faith, right? But nevertheless, we're all undergoing on our own different journeys towards God. And as we're undergoing our own different journeys towards God, there are going to be things that come up that might hinder us, that might try to destroy our confidence in God, that might try to really kind of slow down our efforts in finding Him. My brothers and sisters, when we read this story, there's quite a few number of things that are happening here, right? But I want to focus on things from the man born blind's perspective and everyone else's response to that, right? Here is this man who meets Jesus. Here is this man who was born blind from birth and he meets Jesus and he's given his sight back. How beautiful. As even the blind man, he, he testifies, how many of you have heard it? That since the beginning of the world, it's never been done. How many of you have heard that a man has received his sight who was born blind? It doesn't happen. And yet everyone is arguing over the wrong things. How is it this man has healed on the Sabbath? How is it that whatever it might be, they fail to see it? The story should end that as soon as this blind man has an encounter with Jesus, that the story ends. And how beautiful was that story? That now this man was born blind, now he is cured, now he is healed, and now he can go forward, knowing who God is, seeing the light of the world as Jesus tells us, and seeing everything through the lens of Christ. How beautiful. But we know that's just the beginning of the story. That as soon as he receives his sight, what happens? Constant opposition. Constant negativity. Even the story begins with negativity. Here are the apostles who are going to become the leaders of the church. The leaders of the church that Jesus Christ himself has set up. The first bishops of the church. And the apostles ask the question. Who is it that, that sinned that this man may be born blind? Whose fault is it? Is it his fault? Or is it his parents' fault? Already they're trying to exclude. Already they're trying to throw him on the outskirts. Already they're trying to say, look how much better that we are. Whose fault is it? They're trying to find blame. And Jesus says that's not the case. That's not the case at all. It was no one's sin that he was born blind. But the fact that he suffers means that he is going to show the glory of God. My brothers and sisters, I can't say this enough. We're going to go through negativity. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through suffering. And if it's not done with Jesus Christ in mind, if it's not done for the glory of God, if it's not done kind of picking up our crosses and walking with Him, then we won't see the point. You see, why it is that we suffer, why it is that we go through these, these things of life is to refine us, is to make us stronger. 
You've heard the saying, right? Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's exactly the point here. It's never a curse from God. It's never this kind of punishment from God as it is that we think, right? But rather, it is to make us stronger. It is for us to show the glory of God that although I suffer, although I go through these things of life, I know that if I suffer with Christ in mind, I know that if I suffer and take up my cross with Jesus, that in the end, I learn something from it. That in the end, I am made stronger. And I can glorify God in the good times and also in the bad times. But more importantly, going back to the blind man. Here he is, he receives his sight. As it is that he receives his sight, right? As it is that he comes to an encounter with Jesus, as it is that now he meets who Jesus Christ is, again, everything should be great after that. But that's not the case, my brothers and sisters. That's not at all the case. After he meets Jesus, he undergoes constant opposition. He undergoes this constant negativity, negativity, as we said before. And as he undergoes this stuff, right, as everyone is just kind of surrounding him with negativity, as it is that Jesus is trying to dispel this negativity, it just keeps happening. First from the apostles, then from the Pharisees, who really can't believe it, and then from his own neighbors. And if it's not even worse than that, from his own parents. His own parents don't want to stand up for him. Here are the Pharisees, and they're trying to figure this stuff out. They don't understand why it is, that how it is this man received his sight, and they're so spiritually blind to it. They don't understand. How is it this man now sees? How is it, what is it that he's received? What is going on here? And so they bring his parents. Is this your son who was born blind? Yes, yes, this is our son who was born blind, but you can ask him for yourself. We don't know how it is that his eyes have opened, but ask him for himself. He's of age, you can answer the question. And so they separate themselves from the entire relationship. They separate themselves from the man. Here is now the man completely left alone, completely discouraged. Doesn't know what to do. He's been cast out. The Pharisees still don't know what to do. And so they ask him again, annoyingly, how is it that your eyes were open? And he says, you know, I've told you this story before. You don't want to hear it? Okay, why is it you keep asking? Do you also want to be his disciples? And they finally sever all relations with him, right? They throw him out of the synagogue. They throw him out of the community. Jesus is making it clear to us that sometimes when it is that you meet Jesus, you're going to go through negativity, whether it is from your family, whether it is from those you love, whether it is in the world, whatever it might be. But notice something. Jesus seeks out that man. He hears of this man he cured. He hears that he's been thrown out of his community. And he goes to him. He goes to him. And the things that he says to him are quite amazing. Do you believe now in the Son of Man? Do you believe in me? Who it is now that you see, who it is that opened your eyes, I am the Son of Man. And what does he do in the end? He worships. He worships. My brothers and sisters, how often is it that we know people in our own lives who might have endured these negative experiences, right? Here it is, maybe they've come and encountered Jesus, and now they've come to the church thinking they can pray, thinking they can do whatever, and then they met with kind of this negative experience, right? They met with kind of someone who was rude to them, a priest who might have been rude, whatever it might be, or another parishioner, or whatever it might be, right? We're all human. The church is made up of humans. And as humans, we're going to mess up in life. Even the leadership of the church, even I mess up, we all mess up, right? We all mess up. 
But what does this man do who encounters so much negativity? He still seeks out Jesus. We still believe in our faith, and that faith has the power to convert sinners. We all have someone in our mind who, if we see them at church, we say to ourselves, how is this person at church? This person who gossips against the church, this person who I saw, you know, who we hear are at different places they shouldn't be, or this person who does this, that, and this, and this, that, and this. How are these people coming to church? How are these people being converted? And then we judge them. We're snooty. We're good at being kind of Catholic elitists. This is my thing. Just like the apostles. The very leadership of the church. Sometimes you'll have a negative experience from them. Sometimes from parishioners. Sometimes from modern day Pharisees. Whatever it might be. But what does this man do? Through everything, he looks past it all. And he worships God in the Eucharist. God who has become man. One thing I love about this is this. Jesus spits into the ground. He makes clay from his spit. And as he makes clay from the spit, he, show, he rubs the spit in his eyes with the dirt and everything, showing that Jesus Christ has come down in order to be rubbed into our own eyes, in order to be rubbed into the eyes of sinners, so that now they see everything through his eyes. And then he tells him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. This was a pool that was in the middle of Jerusalem. He washes and then he sees that's our baptism. When it is that we are baptized, now we wash and we see. We have the very life of God within us. Then we realize we're all connected. Saints and sinners alike. We're all on different journeys of life. But we all come together here to worship God in the Eucharist, although we might be in different things of life. One thing I've loved, really loved about serving at Holy Martyrs is that Truly, truly, this community is an accepting community, right? And although there is this negativity of the world, although there is this kind of preconceived notions, whatever it might be, countless programs have been made, right, throughout the week. This church is always busy and active with, with these programs that just allow everyone to come in to worship and to really see God for who He is. But even here at Mass, what's been quite beautiful to see is, you know, and parents, right? Parents really kind of... Parents, especially with multiple kids, right? Sometimes kids, you know, crawl up on the altar, whatever it might be, especially from the front row, whatever, right? I'm not, not pointing out fingers or anything, but these guys were sitting in the front. Anyways, it doesn't matter, right? Sometimes there's kids who sit over here, you know, and I see, like, you know, kids in the kids' room, and sometimes they're taking out diapers and throw up and whatever it might be, right? And it's, it's, it's kind of like this church really doesn't judge them too much, right? You can't just be like, I want to pray in the most pristine church of all time and not be, oh, no, you know, it's not going to happen. Life is not perfect. Life is full of negativity. Life is full of these surprises. Life is full of these trials. We come together in our imperfections in order to worship the perfect God. How beautiful. How beautiful that we worship the incarnate God who has come down, has allowed us to see him, has now freed us. And all we have to do in order to garner strength is to worship him. My brothers and sisters, there's countless times in which we can worship Jesus. At this Mass is where we worship Jesus in the Eucharist. But now we have 24-7 adoration uh, with the Eucharist exposed in the chapel. Code is 1111, right? Anytime, 24-7, 365 days out of the year, now we have exposed adoration for you to come visit and worship Jesus Christ in His perfection. That we might become more like Him. That we might become more accepting. That we might change our hearts to be able to love more like Him. And this, this is what it is to me to be a Christian. To worship the perfect God, although we are imperfect.
to love him more and more each day to become his disciples. Amen?